Good luck. You're gonna need it. Oh. As the taxi driver just throws her bags down and drives <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah. She looks at her license. Wyckoff. Just throws it all out. Um, I would. You're blackballed, miss. I. Oh, because the. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. That's great. That's great. Junior's gonna be mad. Well, she's broken now, so there you go. Oh my god! If you don't use it, then you just sort of dry out. Oh my. <laughs> That's god. right. There was that line uttered by the doctor, oh, so that's great. Fucking god. Welcome into Film Tank. The weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the 1979 film Good Luck, Miss Wyckoff, directed by Marvin Chomsky. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there again, everybody, and welcome into episode 112 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with uh, the two regulars, Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. Hey, hey, so excited to be here tonight. I could see that. And Toussaint is on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> well, good luck, buddy. Yes. Um, oh, because, yeah. The good luck title. Yeah, that's good. The film we are reviewing is the 1979 film, Good Luck, Miss Wyckoff, which uh, is definitely one of our more random choices that we've had, but we've had some along the road uh, in the previous 111 episodes. Uh, and Nick picked this out, and after viewing the film, this is right in his wheelhouse. Nick, I think it's important to specify that Nick chose this film, and he did not tell us what – he did not tell me what the name of the film was. Well, he did. He said the name of the film last yeah. week. And I forgot it, and I – there you go. And I told him not to tell me because he refused to tell us what the film was well, about. Well, he also specifically told us not to watch the trailer for the film. Or to read a plot description. Yeah. Because yeah. almost every plot description says... The well, the, the beginning of the IMDb plot description, the first... Uh, I'll just read it. Yeah. Uh, the IMDb plot description uh, centers around an abusive sexual relationship between a white spinster schoolteacher and a young black janitor in 1956 Kansas, yeah. as this complicates her struggle to come to grips with her sexuality and her emotions. Which is actually objectively what it's about, but I think it has a certain effectiveness. If you don't uh, know anything about it? Yeah. I'll that. say. Yeah, specifically because this is kind of a tale of two films here, is really the first half uh, and the second half are pretty much different movies. I mean, they have an impact on each other, I but... Think there's a slow build-up. Yeah. For sure. But you're watching a different movie the first 45 minutes, yeah. and then it turns into something pretty different. Yeah, we can talk about that. Okay. Before we talk more about this fantastic film, uh, um, uh, I just wanted to quickly mention, we're recording this on the 18th of May in 2017, 
And this morning, I woke up and was... Hungover. Also true. Uh, woke up and was disappointed uh, to hear the news uh, that Chris Cornell had, had died. And, you know, as the days wore on, there have been stories, rumors about his death, which he was only 52, which Soundgarden had been around for a long time. So, you know, he's, he's uh, you know lived to an older 52 it would seem at least in terms of the public view of him and yet there's uh the reports of of his uh suicide at least that's what you know there's stories out about now i mean that we know of right now i mean in terms of full details autopsies those things haven't happened yet but uh so that's kind of where we are right now uh no matter what Whatever happened with with Chris Cornell, obviously it's a it's a sad day for for people who love rock, specifically grunge music, as I do, uh, as that is still my favorite era of music. Uh, what's up? You're wearing a Soundgarden. I am. I pointed that out to you guys when I first got here. Totally missed that. Huh? Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. Uh, I noticed it. Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam. Even Nirvana, those are you know those are the the bands that I go out of my way to listen to the most. And sadly, of of those five groups I just mentioned, uh, four of the lead singers of those groups are now dead. And uh, yeah, so it, it's 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 sad because I thought Chris Cornell was the most talented out of everyone. Uh, who was in any of those bands, with the perhaps the exception of Jerry Cantrell, the guitar player from Alice in Chains, who wrote a lot of their music and is still writing pretty good music now. Uh, but at the same time, very distinct voice. Uh, they had a very distinct style. Uh, Soundgarden did, obviously. Audio Slave did as well when Chris Cornell hooked up with the guys from Rage Against the Machine. And, Even I've listened to Audio Slave, yeah. considering that's not my usual scene yeah but yeah um i'm sure i've heard a song here or there before yeah oh yeah they they i think their first album was triple platinum mm-hmm. which is for a super group spin-off type yeah. thing it's no chicken foot or they, whatever I, that same I, hagar group is the, i'll say that one of them plus or not plus but one of the things you can say about chris cornell the achievement i think with audio slave is that like they they kind of transcended not their gimmick but like I didn't realize there was a supergroup until I had to like dig deep so you mm-hmm. know it's not like um other supergroups where you know that that's the only thing they have to offer like, yeah it's those people together <laughs> yeah well it was definitely a convergence of of different styles as they still had the same sound as Rage but with Soundgarden's lead singer and it was uh, definitely yeah. interesting so two things about uh. First of all, Black Hole Sun is one of my all-time favorite songs, and there's multiple Soundgarden songs that are up on the list, but that is, like, an all-timer for me. Uh, I got to see them perform live three years ago, so obviously now I'm very, very happy that I went and saw that. And I also, uh, many, many years ago, got to see Audio Slate perform, too, which yeah. is uh kind of a a cool little thing because they weren't really around for that long so so that was a a cool little fun fact both uh performances were honestly fantastic and um yeah it's just one of those things where i've said multiple times on this very podcast that i usually 
don't care too much about celebrity slash musician deaths. We had this discussion when we we had the Anton Yelchin discussion and the also Toussaint talked and you a little bit, Nick, talked about Prince last year. Bowie and Yeah. Yeah. But but you know, this is uh you know, it doesn't personally affect me, but at the same time it's just like oh so that's that's really my feeling on it. And it's uh you know, it's 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 an unfortunate thing, but uh, at the same time, still really enjoy listening to Soundgarden, and I probably will for a long time. So it's always going to be there, unless our government takes over music. So moving on to a much more cheery topic, let's talk about um, racism and rape in the classroom. So the film we're reviewing today is Good Luck, Miss Wyckoff. The film is directed by Marvin Chomsky, uh, who's... He's famous for his television works. Yeah. Um, he directed prominently episodes of Roots. Yeah, he won four Emmys, yep. I see. So that's... Which is also why Good Luck Miss Wyckoff has a very TV, made made for TV movie type vibe when it comes to visual. Very, I can feel that. Yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. simplistic. But yeah. yeah. I was actually getting a little annoyed by the, uh, the bad sound in the background, the... It yeah. seemed like that was on purpose, and I was... Eh. No, that's because no. Um, it's from the company, Vinegar Syndrome, and they're the ones who um, dig up all these lost uh, negatives of exploitation, p- porn films. Um, also, a lot of these movies would were never going to see the light of day unless they did something about it, and so like that's the state of, this, oh, okay. of this film, so oh, to speak. Okay. Yep. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's not great, but... Yeah. So, uh, I already kind of went over the, the tagline of, of this movie and then the plot line and what it's about. Uh, the film does star Anne Haywood uh, and also some other people here, including Robert Vaughn and Doris Roberts uh, <laughs> from Everybody Loves Raymond. Yep. Yeah. And Donald Pleasance from Halloween. Mm-hmm. So, you, you had some familiar faces here. Yeah. Uh, and you have a very... Um, Interesting story that takes a bit of a turn. Uh, you know. Takes several turns. Yeah, and um, definitely could bring some viewpoints. So, uh, Nick, I know you had voiced an opinion that you would prefer to go last in terms of first thoughts. Yeah. I know Toussaint has uh, some thoughts as well, um, but I'll start just to you know get the ball rolling. Um, I didn't love this movie, but I also didn't hate it either. Like, I, I was... At least intrigued and interested throughout. Um, now, part of the problem is not problem, but part of the intrigue came from you, Nick, telling me that oh, just wait until about halfway through, and then Tucson's going to be rolling around on the floor. <laughs> and so, so, anyways, I was very close. Yeah, I I knew that at least there was going to be something here, and you know it. it you saying that made me feel like this was going to be a Paul Verhoeven, Lars von Trier type experience. Probably more in the Paul Verhoeven light. But still, uh, definitely some some shock factor there. Uh, and yeah, definitely interesting, trashy-ish type filmmaking. But at the same time... Um, it feels like high concept trash. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like 
really uh, a lot of the things that were going on throughout this film, I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's, oh, okay. I mean, we get everything from communism to sexism to racism to horrible teenage children. Homophobia. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, this is this is supposed to be in the 1950s, I believe. And it's all of this is pretty much accepted except for um, her having sex with a black guy. And the interesting part about the entire finale of this film is is that no one even remotely considered it a rape uh and boy when you have the two white guys walking the halls barged down the door and you see her getting thrust into a heater and getting burns all over her chest and the next thing she sees going into that classroom is a sign that says miss wyckoff fucks n-word people that is quite the return there to the scene. Now, that's the thing, though, is that much like the film L, there are moments where this film at least tries to toe the line with what the viewer believes is or isn't. Because like, at the same time, the first interaction like, is definitely a rape. Yep. But then, as you go on, is she just allowing this to happen because she doesn't want to have all the horrors? Of it? So there's a lot of thoughts that were running through my head later on in the film, and it, it was it, it at least, even though it wasn't obviously isn't the greatest film at all, it at least kept my attention throughout. So go ahead, what were you gonna say? Next? I was just gonna say in the same vein as L, it does dare to ask the question can two things be true at the same time you know like um can someone be a victim and also still take pleasure and not like the black and white uh (laughs) viewpoint of that where it's like well no if it's if it's this and x can't be true and vice versa but yeah well uh, again as, as i you know i mentioned just a minute ago you know you have the the first interaction uh you know when the the, the clothes come off and uh, he pushes her down. Even that, though, and I think maybe that's the problem with living in the era we do where there's more films like this, including things like L that have previously circulated, where maybe I'm just a bad guy. But when I saw her, like, walking up and, like, shooting a look at him, I'm like, is she, like, kind of cool with this? And then that feeling was gone. But then the next scene happens... Where she pretty much, especially towards the end of that scene, is fully embracing this. And it's, um, yeah, it it makes the, the problem is for me at least, is it makes the rest of the film seem like, I, I don't know. Like, because it's still obviously pretty important most parts earlier on in the film, but it just takes a huge turn and makes the film totally about that. And then we have the final 15 minutes where it's just constant shaming and it's, uh, and actually the worst part is the, uh, the landlord waving from the tower paying bye. I just want someone to snipe that Good luck. woman. Yeah. Just, just end her. And then we could have just went on with our lives. Cause <laughs> boy, that is the, just the, 
ugh, from the fucking tower over the moat. <laughs> I hope you don't die. Have fun without black people or whatever you're doing. Oh, man. So, yeah, yeah a, a interesting movie for sure. Definitely a film that I would say uh, is worth a viewing for, for if not for any other reason, just because I feel like it at least gives you something to think about no matter what that is that you are thinking yeah. about. So, yeah, those are my... That was the reason why I chose it. There you go. Those are my initial thoughts. And, and now we get to move on to Dusan, and this is going to be fun for everybody, so... <laughs> um, so, I did not know what this film was going to be. Um, I entered into it, as I usually do. At Film Tank, we have fun here. <laughs> we, yeah, we do. We, we 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 talk about movies and we have fun and we we watch movies together. Um, we sit around, drink beer, eat pizza, and watch robots talk to Polly from Rocky. Yeah, that's really really great. This, <laughs> that was a great moment. Toussaint, would it creep you out if I like took oh. a clip from this movie in the classroom and I just superimposed the robot from Rocky Four like in the background, just dancing and lighting up? Man, I I don't really know how to respond to that. It just, it just shoots the voice. I, they call me Bowles. I don't. <laughs> oh no! All right, so I'm gonna just trying to do it. Boom! Track my my train of thought throughout this film. Um. Yeah, I was obviously very shocked by the the opening title sequence, uh, specifically the the events that led up to the actual title crawl, and just trying to like trace like okay, it starts in media res and then it jumps back, and like how does it match up to this? And eventually, it kind of like faded from my memory in, in some ways, and I kind of like was you know I was cracking wise, making jokes and stuff like that, and you know I I, I was able to observe and like enjoy the film because I, I think that it is a a very well paced and very well acted film. I I enjoyed this film. Um, uh, I liked one thing I really enjoyed at, at, at first is like, and I'm so I'm just kind of moving through my usual paces. Like I enjoyed the sound design. I liked the very shrill and oppressive like discordant like stingers that would like happen and occur when she was like having an episode I was because say- I have not I have not heard a film in recent memory that I felt like really really made me feel fucking uncomfortable with its stingers like really toyed with the heft of them some of those music tracks would have like given Christopher Nolan a run for his money in yes. the IMAX <laughs> audio absolutely it I was I think that's why also Vinegar Syndrome uh Included the soundtrack on a CD and all their releases, mm-hmm. which you know, because I've listened to it before. Oh. And um, yeah, anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's it's shrill and it's absolutely effective. It uh, man, and and another thing I really like about this is the 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 sort of staging for um, the set pieces. I like the mise en scène. I like the the, the arrangement of all the different pro- props. I, I even commented. Um, in one scene uh, during a nighttime when uh, the, the teacher is in her... What's the name of the character again? Evelyn. Evelyn. Oh, yeah. yeah. Evie. Evie. Yeah, Evie is in her in her bedroom and, like, seeing, like, the, the lone lamp kind of, like, cast off the, the shadow of the, um, the adjoining picture frame and seeing, like, the outline of that. I thought that was a very um, 
evocative image. I really enjoyed that sort of lighting. Um, and just kind of like working through the paces of this character and what was kind of like leading up to that. And I remember at the at the outset before we started this film, Nick, you said that the reason why you liked this film is that it combined two things that you love, which are which is drama and melodrama. Melodrama. You know, that Me- kind of no- shrill right. histrionic yes. Right. That that that's a, a perfect way of, of describing it. Uh, melodrama and exploitation and I kind of got some minor sort of exploitation vibes from the beginning and then it just dives right into them and it is an absolute fucking nightmare um from then on on to the ending um i could not not watch it because i had to see what was going to happen because it was one of those films where i i did not know what this was and i could not predict what what was going to happen next and i i say that as a quality of of the merit of the film itself um man did i have some strong feelings uh about rafe as uh as as my my two co-hosts will be able to attest to that yes he did yeah, <laughs> yes i did yes it's yes lying. yes i did um it is uh yeah, that's absolutely fucking terrifying. It it is some of the most. It's one of the most terrifying films I have seen in recent <laughs> memory. Um, not only because of the the absolute violence of the initial act, but also of this sort of um, emotional entrapment and just just the 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 sickness that goes into this sort of like power play behind that relationship. And then even dovetailing into the eventual, um, uh, societal ostracization when it's finally brought to light specifically early on before, uh, Rafe and Evie have their encounters on. Yeah. Um, there was uh I had a film that I was kept thinking about watching this and maybe this will be surprising I'm thinking it probably will be but uh I actually think the film we are reviewing is quite better than the one I'm going to bring up oh. but the film I kept thinking about in my mind was it follows for some reason mm. and uh, because Rafe is in the background of every scene <laughs> No, it's it's more just about the it's it's more just about the uh the idea of something being created in your mind that's even I mean there's even the quote that's on the front of the uh the school the plaque. They, yeah. Yeah, the something about It's what, from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Okay. And and it's just about like the integrity of one's mind. Yes, like there's nothing more sacred. There's nothing more sacred than the integrity of one's mind. But at the same time, it seems as though she's struggling with that, even though she's putting on an interesting persona that goes through many different levels of pushing people away to pushing people away with a smile, then crying and breaking glass and, and all that, but... Yeah, just some about it. I don't know why. It obviously this is not a horror film at all. Uh, uh, well, it, on the on the surface, but, yeah. but there, I just kept thinking about it for some reason. So I just wanted to throw I that. that. At, w- at one point, I compared um, 
Evie's uh, demeanor to that of the mother from Sleepaway Camp. The aunt. The aunt. The Technically. Aunt. Yeah, the aunt from, yeah. from Sleepaway Camp. And uh, Nick said that he was insulted by that. But I think what I meant by that was it's not the actress herself. It's not an indictment of her acting ability because I think that she's a great actress. I think that the character of Evie is putting on the sort of affectation, the sort of like yeah. the the very – the very shallow affability of her town of her town. And I feel like that is very much mirrored in that, that character from sleepaway camp. And it's just so unnerving and it's so uncomfortable and it just makes me deeply concerned for that character and their, 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 their psychological well being. And I think that was effective. And so that is a very effective performance. Um, I am deeply, deeply, deeply concerned um, for one of the last uh, quotes, which I just learned was actually one of the, the taglines on the actual like poster of this film. Um, before I, I go into that, I want to okay. wheel back before I forget about this, because I know that when we were watching this film, you kind of mentioned that there was something you, you were kind of hinting at it. There was something very Paul Verhoeven esque and you, you've already mentioned L, but before I finally got to that point of what that was, uh, I have to admit when Evie was taking the, the, the bus ride to go see the psychiatrist and was going through like the, the very neutral um, background and stuff, there's like the house in the background, I was like going down there. I have to admit that my initial thought um, when we were talking about Verhoeven uh, that went through my mind was, how the fuck does this relate to Starship Troopers? <laughs> um Man, that went over my head. Uh, <laughs> I got to say that. Um, but, okay, so rounding back to what I was saying, what deeply concerns me was the final quote in this, which I – there's so much packed into that, and it, it's frankly very, very disturbing. Um, and, and, I, and it's said in a way that's supposed to be affirmative, but it's just I, – I'm so deeply concerned for the which sanity of just, this person. Just – uh, what what it yeah. what what it is is she's talking to one of her friends and she's asking why did you do it, and she says like what happened was inevitable. And it's just like it couldn't have happened any other. Um, it was it what happened was inevitable. It couldn't have happened any other way, and I'm not ashamed of it. Um, what happened was inevitable. But just to say, technically. I think it could be ambiguous as to what specifically she's talking about. If you're talking, I'm just saying. Yeah, I think that's, you could... that's that's unpacking that. Right. Yeah. So is is she explicitly referring to the fact that she was raped and nothing else, or is she referring to the other layer here, which is just a uh, a tryst or a tryst or just a. Uh, first delve into her own sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, um, you know, I think it's kind of a, not a litmus test, but kind of one as to whether you think this is like a cynical ending or a, um, or at least a somewhat affirmative. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a whole knot of emotions. It is, um. Yeah, don't watch this film if, if if the depiction of rape triggers you because it is it is absolutely yeah. I am I am absolutely aghast and in, and at least even impressed that this film was even made and that it 
it screened and that people thought it was compelling enough and not saying it's not compelling, but for the time of when it came out, people thought it was compelling enough to try to contrive a TV edit of this film, <laughs> which completely misses the fucking point of it. And yet it, it's just it's it's and it's flabbergasting, honestly. Just missed the point, but not only do they cut out all and any references or depictions of sex, but they also call it the sin. Like that's the title of the TV. Yeah, edit. what the fuck? So it's kind of like, wait, what? What is the sin? <laughs> what is the sin? Is it like the secret? <laughs> do, do I have to listen to all the CDs in order to find out what the sin is? Yeah. Oh my god! Let's move on, Nick. So Nick, yeah. <laughs> well, hi, boys. Hi. Um. I am a big fan of this movie. It um, certainly pushes all of my rape buttons. No. I, but I genuinely do love exploitation as a genre, and I think this is one of the best examples of how exploitation isn't always trash. I mean, singularly trash. You know, like um, that there is art and value into depicting something in a way that is meant to be manipulative, meant to be confrontational, and uh, and sometimes offensive. Um, and while I wouldn't say that I find this movie offensive, the, the reason why I believe this movie is good is that I can understand why somebody else would, but that doesn't take away from what I think is powerful about this movie and so on and so forth. Um, I think... When I, you know, uh, Tucson said earlier that I kind of build it as a, a marriage between um, melodrama and exploitation, and that's certainly true. I mean, one of my all-time favorite movies is uh, All That Heaven Allows, which was directed by Douglas Sirk in the 50s, who made his name making these amazing technicolor uh, melodramas uh, of the 50s, and they look and sound a lot like this movie. Um, aside from the fact that um, Douglas Erg was actually a visual maestro, so, like those, sh- every shot in his movies are a painting, you know that kind of thing. Um, and then <laughs> that movie is like you kind of alluded to earlier. Uh, that movie is almost interrupted, except I wouldn't even say interrupted, more like hijacked by a much more um, confrontational film, so to speak. And what I love about that dichotomy between the two halves is that I actually think that, especially upon now rewatching it for the second time, um, that that first half is still completely necessary because it basically presents her as this human being, obviously, with a great life who's, you know, had all these contributions and dealing with her own problem. And for the movie, or should I say the story, uh, to t- basically take that away from her and to make the focus all about what Rafe is doing is very, in, uh, shall we say, indicative of the myopic view of the town that she lives in and, and society as a whole, that that will become what defines her and not what came before. So I definitely think the structure of the movie is actually very important into how it works, and thematically um, it works very well. Um yeah, I, I I do I do love the performances. It, it's one of those things where, um, you, you know, you, like these performances are great not because they are like ultra realistic, but because they perfectly um, evoke that 1950s naivety and hypocrisy that um, usually <laughs> doesn't make way for the kind of stark realism that does end up 
permeating in the film in the final half with the character of Rafe and whatnot. Speaking of Rafe, I enjoy <laughs> his character, not so much enjoy it as a you know human being as what, but I like that within the first moments I think he arrives, it almost feels like it's going to become a black caricature. Um, like, you know, he, uh, you know, uh, he's going to shuck and jive. Yes. And what's scary is that it's like almost all affectation is dropped in, uh, favor of, uh, this sociopathic. If anything, he uses that affectation of, yeah. of subservience of, of, of supposed subservience to exert this sociopathic pathologically predatorial, um, persona yeah. that he that he hides beneath it all, and it's just the guy can can be caught in the act and walk out a out a door by guarded by two white men and not get lynched. That's amazing to me, and also yeah. not be the one who's run out of town. No. <laughs> no, and you know there are there are so many devastating moments in this entire movie that it's like hard to count them all. Um, some that I love are like smaller than like some of the bigger ones. Like um, toward the end of the movie, after they're found out, um, when she says, um, "I don't want him to lose his scholarship," that is one of that my, my biggest like knife cuts because yeah. I genuinely think that's believable that her mm-hmm. character would say that mm-hmm. because. Not that that's what got her in here in the first place, but throughout the whole first half, we're shown that she is a better person than everybody in this town, you know, and she fights for what's right, whether it... But I, know, I don't even know if it's because married, of what's right. Well, and then I said, but she's dealing with that at the same time of dealing with her own self-loathing and repression. So, uh, yeah, just little moments like that I, I absolutely love. So, um, well, I'm glad that... I can say right off the bat that you guys are still speaking to me, so that's good. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, I've seen worse. No, I know. You've, you've done worse than this. That is true. We're not going to watch Solo, so... Please don't that. ever do that to me. I, I can think of a lot worse than Solo. I, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to take a pass. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> I really don't, actually. So, so let's, let's start off yeah. really quickly. Um, in the first half of the film, mm-hmm. with the bus driver yeah. who kind of does look like Michael Madsen after he got fat. Yeah. Cow puncher. <laughs> and so the idea that she had pretty much decided to have an affair with somebody who mm-hmm. she knew to not to, to be married. And obviously she is not. Um, while at the same time, um, feeling okay about that in in a time where I don't know what society would think about that, even though it's not interracial or anything like that. She feels kind of bad about it, obviously at first, yeah. uh, but then after talking with her therapist, she sort of comes to terms with that decision, and then all of a sudden he's gone, and it's just like. It's it's very interesting to to look back and say, man, if only she would have just found herself a nice <laughs> white man, it would have all been fine. Oh. Um, and it's but it, that that's the thing about this this movie is that it gives you all of that because 
there is that relationship between her and the bus driver and and, and how Which that is... all starts and ends in, in a very abrupt fashion uh much like well, the other relationships she has in, in I the I would in be the film. very curious to see to 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 sort of like talk about this film with some of my friends like conservative family for them to like watch it and to sort of like pick their brain about how they feel about it because I feel like things could get pretty raw and pretty real and pretty honest and actually pretty like conducive to actual discussion of yeah, it's it's this whole movie reminds me of the final scene in The Hateful Eight. You know, it's what society will do to basically persecute a woman and Yeah. America will come together to lynch a woman. You know, and that's um and uh, but you know, stretched out throughout the whole running time. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the almost affair with the bus driver is one of the film's highlights as far as stretches of time and one thing I like about it, or a couple things, let's just say, is one, I actually kind of like for a melodrama that it's more restrained than it could have been. Like, you thought that he was going to be, like, a creepy per, and I'm not saying he was, like, a whatever, but he t- he took no for an answer, and he, not only that, but laid it out honestly over a cup of coffee. And How, gave... about, how about the uh, the last tidbit of information that we're given, not in a for sure way from the uh, the new bus driver but that oh he found some woman and ran he left off. His, he left his wife and man she could have been that woman yeah. who who yeah. he ran off with and, and i think it's important sh- that that these those things exist because unfortunately the next person that offers her any kind of sexual intimacy came directly after that mm-hmm. you know and i you know, I think there is a desperation that can accumulate over time, mm. and that can fuck with your mind a lot. And and so I, you know, I do think the movie perfectly sets up the chain of events that have, you know, because let's just for example say that if Rafe had come up to her way earlier in the movie, no, it would not. I don't think have been believable. But at that point, she had, you know, I think thought that all of her options were out. And but even so, like we've alluded to in, in earlier in this podcast, the very first time they ever get together, it is nothing but rape. It is, yeah. you know, it is yeah. what it is. And and so then it's, it's interesting because then if she continues to tryst, which she does, like I, that, that sounds like victim blaming, but I'm not. I'm simply saying that she goes along with it. And if she does that, then does that negate what came before? And obviously, I don't think it does at all, but um, clearly an entire town does. Yeah, that's fucked up. Here's another question, and this was the other big thing that I wanted to mention in addition to the relationship with the bus driver. But how large of an effect on the town's opinion do you guys think that the idea that she's been going to Wichita to see a therapist yep. has? Because obviously everyone Absolutely. thinks, well, there's something wrong with her because she's going to see a therapist. Yep. And just I mean, like... We're already... We're barely removed from that mindset 50, 60 well, years later. I mean, I mean the, the, the entirety of The Sopranos centers yep. around that for the yep. most part of him being worried that someone's going to find out and whack him. The stigmatization you know, of mental yeah. health and, and 
just the maintenance of, of mental health. I think it's very telling. Um, but if, if she hadn't gone to a, see a therapist, do you feel like there's a possibility? Like they would have stu- stuck up for her? Yeah. Yeah, like, like, like that's their scapegoat. Mm-hmm. So, so they just automatically connected the dots. No, I, I think okay. that they would just unspool some other sort of like sig- – like, like she's not signaling. Married. Yeah, she's not she's not married. They'd find something. Yep. They'd find some imagined or real whatever. It doesn't matter. Like breadcrumb trail to sort of like parse out. It's like, oh, but she was such a good person until this happened. And then this happened. I, I think you're both right in the sense that, no, I definitely don't think like that's the the cause. But I, I do agree with you, Alex, that like – It is a contributing That factor. stigmatizing factor is definitely uh, just adds fuel to the fire of how they can um, basically look themselves Just Just, in the just give reasoning <laughs> to their – Whatever their thoughts are, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you literally have that the scene with the principal where he's like, "This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do." And it, it's like, "This is so well, hard, baby." It's not the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which he had pretty much the same conversation with her earlier regarding the the other yeah uh, teacher who then she then held an entire PTA yes. slash town meeting to defend this person who. Uh, in all honesty, she has no personal ties that, to so that section of the film with uh, with Chester, the other teacher. In my opinion, works so much better upon rewatches. Yeah, um, because at first it seems like it's merely character building, which it definitely is, works in service of that because you learn more about her and what she would be willing to do for others. But when you know the entire movie and how the entire movie plays out, and you're just watching this. Com- go above and beyond for people that would never do the same for her simply based on one he's, different He's factor. just keeping his, his head down. It's like, hey, I might be gay. I might be a communist, but at least I'm not engaging miscegenation. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's very telling um, uh, towards the beginning of the film when they were having that recital. Um, I commented aloud on just – or, or at least maybe I either commented aloud or I was just internally thinking this. I'm just like, where's all the black people? And, and I couldn't see any of them. And then, like, there was another camera angle. I was like, oh, there they are. All in the back corner right there. I also think, and I wasn't going to say anything, but I also believe, and I could be wrong, because there are two sections, the left and the right. Yeah. I believe they were all on her side, which I thought was interesting. I think so, yeah. Because most of them are appeared behind her. Yeah. Not behind teachers that are on the other. That's but true. I could be wrong about that. But I, I, I definitely I, noticed that yeah. they were prominent in the background of her shot. Yeah. Um, well, she has done a lot for you know the Negroes. They, you know, and that's one of those things where it sounds a little blunt as far as. Um, yeah, but as the as the film wears on to the finale, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, man, that oh man, oh man. Oh, <laughs> well, oh, not to man. mention Rafe throws that in her face as well, like. Um, during their very first encounter, one of the things he says after he kind of mockingly uses his own um, affectations uh, and he says, like, oh, I heard you've done a lot for us Negroes. And and, and, and he uses that as a springboard for this uh, torture, basically. Um, and I think that's both extremely disturbing but also kind of interesting in its in its own little vacuum mm. uh because 
you know, like the whole white savior complex, like you don't don't think you've earned anything by virtue of simply doing what's right. You know what I mean? And I I, I don't know. It's like was Rafe a socio? I mean, he was, but hypothetically, like was he completely sociopathic, or did he have this resentment towards a white establishment that thought that like like okay, I see, he goes I after see, the, I see where you're he going. He goes after the only person who's actually friendly. Yeah. Towards. Yeah. You know his race. Maybe and, he felt insulted in some way that he's like, "Oh, are you looking down at me?" And it's like, "No," but he's like, it, it, "It's his attempt to sort of like exert some type of power role." But then we realize that it's not even that even other black people think that this guy yeah. is a fucking psycho. Yes. We we do not like this Rafe guy. But we damn, do not like him. Damn, we do not like him. Damn, he's a good football player. Mm, fuck him. Boy, that has not changed, by the way, no, in no. America. No, this yeah. is, this, that, it, this if is if the, anything, it's been embraced more. That's yeah. absolutely chilling. Well, particularly when it's a white person. Like, I'm just saying, like, like Brock Turner's, all those cases are... The Jews! High-profile white people, who have, white males, who have done um, horrible things. And the the anti-Semitism in the very beginning in the doctor's office, too, when he's like, he's Jewish, do you, do you have an antagonism against Jews? No. I, I had to, un- I had to un- un- unwind that in my mind. I was just like, what? How about the uh, how about the feelings about someone who's basically saying I'm thinking about committing suicide? And be like, well, let's just give her space. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I was so I, look what? I, when when before before the 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 halfway mark of this film happened, I could have been convinced that she went on an abroad trip and she was raped by a black man and that she was trying to reconcile with that. That's what I thought it was, and I have no idea. It, I, I'm so confused, and at the same time, I sort of understand. And it's just so. This is a lot more complicated than I thought. Like there are so many levels to that that first act that I I was not giving credit for because I just was not prepared to engage with it in like that. One of the best threads of the movie for me is um, the doctor played by Robert Vaughn, who's only in I think two scenes total, the mm-hmm. be- in the beginning and in the end. And yeah. He's the one who sets this in motion in a lot of ways. Um, he he does two things. He, A, gets her to see the psychiatrist, and B, he suggests that what's missing from her life is basically uh, love or an affair. And what's interesting is that that double standard has not changed a single bit from now or from then till now like the oh well they must be married and they must have this in their life but if they do it then they will also be damned because they didn't do it the proper way that anybody else has in mind you know and for him to basically not feel guilty but like almost be like pissed off when she comes back to see him and like well i yeah, I did not say to do this. Well, yeah. And then be like, okay, yeah, I'll let you kill yourself because... Boy, and how about that, too? Yeah, that don't is, make a mess. The, the, well, I'm, I, I'll write you the prescription. In fact, I want to. But I still want to hear you say that this is your fault. I mean... And also, how about how about the early scene with all the prescriptions he writes her for things like... Oh, premature menopause. Well, what? Well, I, well t- 
I, I said it's premature, huh? Gives, so, it I, gives a whole new context to uh, her shouting. I think I'm bleeding too. I I think that I I, I think that. When when that first scene was happening, when he wrote the prescriptions, I could have sworn that he was going to send her to that psychiatrist in order to like start up some like sexual liaison with him. I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. He sent people to that psychiatrist before. Yeah, he has. They're 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 chums. I don't. Yeah. But I don't think the psychiatrist was like a. Oh no, I don't think oh, he was right. in on it. But at the same time, but I got that he, vibe he had, though. He had been. Already predisposed to her. Yeah, like, this is where I send the board housewives type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and that's ultimately, that's what happens in every scene of this movie. Uh, Miss Wyckoff will, in some way, either big or small, reach out to somebody, and they will either pass the buck or condemn her for her actions. And, and that's how we get to <laughs> where this movie ends up. How about the uh, discussion, too, about Marlon Brando early on? Which what after hunk. After the discussion we had about him... Uh, a streetcar named Desire, yeah. man. Holy shit. But Mar- I should have known. But we should have known. But Marlon Brando and uh, the uh-huh. discussion we had yeah. last year regarding Last, last Tango in Paris uh, and mm. the, the, you know, the rape scene that was not necessarily a consensual yeah. acting... Uh, but it's... Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean that this movie has aged better than we thought, or worse? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, uh, yeah, that is kind of disturbing. Yeah. Also, um, that scene in general when they're just talking in the house, and I just love how quaint it is. Like that is a scene out of a Douglas Sirk melodrama. Like I don't want to see no sex film. And, well, you're in one, buddy. It's like, oh, that one I guy. Don't like the ghost stories. He he was. Love it. Wow. That was, that was I good. can't believe you went there. <laughs> Well, you better be. You're in one. <laughs> wow. And then there's a monkey who also is damned for some reason. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. Right. Top notch writing. Go ahead, Tucson. Okay. Um, before you went there, um, <laughs> I remember the one scene uh, where she came back from the assembly and they were talking about her communist leanings, possibly, and how the, the housewife wanted to keep an eye on her. And she interrupted, and he's like, "Yeah, it's like that guy that I was defending is like he was trying to like put the moves on me." And everybody just chuckled like, "Ha ha ha!" And the guy's just like sweeping the the chimney, like they're just laughing at each other because they know that's not possible. And it's just he's a gay. Yeah, and, and <laughs> come on, it's it's well, is it it's, is it that they're thinking that? He's gay, or that they're thinking that she would never do that to, with somebody, or even that anybody would ever be interested in her. Too. Yeah, that's that's that man. That's such a right, whether either, whether either they meant it that way. Or, well, whether they meant it that way or not, I think that's how she takes it. And yeah. that's what it it just adds to her alienation and um, loneliness. Yeah. I think. Can I just say, in context, in context, and out of context, the line, "Come over here." To Junior or Daddy's gonna get angry is like one of the scariest things. Yeah, I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Want to help me zip this up? <laughs> uh, what a great line from RoboCop, by the yep. way. Paul Roman. Boom. Yeah. Go ahead. The other thing, of course, is to also recognize that the initial rape does not happen in their first encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that he doesn't do anything wrong or that he's not necessarily being assaultive. He is. 
But she leaves that scene, and because she's in a world where she knows that she will be ostracized, she's not able to stop this before it becomes a problem. You know, because she goes to the principal and she just asks simply where the old janitor was and and doesn't say... And, you know, that in and of itself is rape culture, mm-hmm. and that's how she becomes a victim of it yeah. uh, a few scenes later, too. Yeah. So I'd, By you know, acting in accordance with it. Yep. Oh, shit. That's pretty much Toussaint's reaction the the entire film. Toussaint was literally, during the the scene, was um, just repeating the phrase, this is not okay with me. This is not okay with me. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I'm glad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Also, one of the (laughs) most haunting... Uh, one of the most haunting just visuals I've seen in any movie uh, is her crawling through the um, yeah. Yeah. the, the dust yeah. before anything has happened. Oh, yet. they were talking about when he was beckoned her back. Well, that is, too. I mean, yeah. it's all whatever. But for me, just the visual of it, of her having to literally crawl through the dust, and that shows the difference between the two of them because she goes around them and he just knocks them over to create his own path. Um, not to mention the, even no matter how blunt, but the just kind of uh, nice little bow, the visual metaphor is after he does rape her and leaves, that the flower pot's knocked over and she's trying to cup up dirt and put it back in the pot, which is going to be impossible because mm-hmm. that's never going to be the same again. And yeah. 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 It's... Well, she's broken now, so there you go. Oh, my God. If you don't use it, then you just sort of dry out. Oh, my <laughs> fucking that's God. That's right. There was that line uttered by the doctor, oh, so that's great. Fucking God. Oh, doctors. Especially, how about the uh, the scene when she's getting the exam early on? He just looks at her, and he kind of has that, hmm? Mm-hmm. I think I know what's happened here. <laughs> and that's also interesting on the first viewing because myself yeah. ha- and Toussaint, too, I think, perhaps, have the context of the text written on the ground, which you do not know right. that that happens later on mm-hmm. when you're seeing it for the first time. Yeah. So you're like, what is he finding down there? And it's, it, yeah. yeah. And then once you realize what he's actually, and that's what sparks this conversation. Yep. Yep. So who's ready to talk about Alien Covenant next week? <laughs> Tusad, who absolutely hated Prometheus, even it, though he gave it an okay rating. It won't. I know that it won't be nearly as horrifying as this film. We'll see. Uh, don't really. So think would it you guys be, possibly like to go to final ratings or? or yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. I was say I, this isn't a very. Oh, it's, it a, is, it's a complicated film, but is, there's not a lot to say, yeah, really. No, it is and it isn't. Yeah. It's, it's a film that you probably could talk about easily for an hour and a half. Something but it's, you really need to sit with for a while. Um, it also says what it wants to say, too. Oh, yeah. Like you, as much as we can have this conversation, um, we could for an hour or whatever, mm-hmm. it, it's a movie that speaks for itself. It's yeah. uh, I don't think it's... Well, while there are certain character things that are ambiguous, it's like overall, it is a pretty clear message of uh, what is wrong and what is right. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
I'm going to give this film a 3 out of 5. Uh, while I don't find it perfect or great or anything like that, uh, I did find it very interesting to watch and uh, definitely horrifying and thought-provoking about our own society, specifically because this is a film made in the late 70s about the 50s and interesting thinking about the commentary at that time on a, you know, a time period that feels so far removed now in 2017, but in the late seventies was, was pretty recent still. So it's, uh, it's interesting. And it's important to, to note, uh, that the book that it's based off was written in 1970. Okay. So that was even the beginning of that decade too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Anyway. And it, it's just a lot of interesting character details here that are overall um, pretty revealing about the characters and the time period and the story itself. Uh, and even if most of the characters are just playing one type, really, it has pretty much all of them that you that you would want to see throughout. And it really just makes me hate pretty much everybody in this film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. So I don't think I've I've watched a film where I hated everyone in it since um, Christopher Nolan's Memento, and I count that as a compliment that I could still hate. And when every- you say everyone, you mean everyone or everyone besides? No, everyone, including Miss Wyckoff. A little bit, okay. And also, I empathize with her at the same time. Now, mm-hmm. can I? I'm sorry to hijacked. No, it's fine. But I, I just want to pull on this thread really quick. Sure. Yeah. So, what would you hate her for? I hate that she didn't just go to the principal. I hate that she didn't just... And I'm not trying to victim blame. I'm really not trying to do that. I really don't want to do that. I'm just I'm just so... What compelled you to do this? Why did this happen? Well, she... To be fair, she didn't... There's more of an absence of action than there is... Yeah. In action. Yeah. 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 I guess I don't hate her. I just, I'm just. I, you can if you want. No, that's, I don't. That's I don't, up to you. I don't hate her. I just you don't share your views. But well, I don't want to. <laughs> God damn it! I don't hate her. I just, I'm, I'm just. Well, I'll, I'll let Tucson comment yeah. on that a yeah. little bit more in anyway. just a second. I just wanted to finish by saying that that this is definitely a film that that I would watch again, and uh, I'd be interested to see pretty much everybody's thoughts on it. As I don't know anyone I don't think that it would at least have an opinion on, on the, the events uh, that transpire in this film and yeah. I think it is laid out quite well throughout so it's a 3 out of 5 for me and I uh, yeah, I think I'll probably end up if I can find a copy at some point watching it again yeah. Yeah. so Tucson go ahead and talk about how much of a horrible person Miss Wyckoff is no I'm just picture Tucson saying the title over and over good luck Miss Wyckoff Good luck. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. Um, as the taxi driver just throws her bags down and drives <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah. She looks at her license. Wyckoff. Just throws it all out. Um, I would You're blackballed, miss. I... Oh, because the... Yeah, I get it. That's great. That's great. Junior's going to be mad. I no? give this a three Aww. out of five because Aww. I really did like this film. This guy. Um... <laughs> All of the praise that I, I lobbied before is like I still stick by it. I think that this is impeccably acted. I think that it is well paced. I think that um, it is intense. It is effectively horrifying. 
Um, it is offensive for all the right reasons. Uh, it aims to offend, and I believe that it succeeds in a, in being offensive. Um, and just kind of like circling back um, to sort of the, the, the comparison that I made is just like I in, – in Memento, I hate every single character. I hate every single character, including like the main character. Well, and he's I, a murderer, so – it's not. Just, it's not just because he's a murderer. I'm just saying you'd be like justified I, I, by one that's thing an, alone, that's, let alone a million. That is not even the most offensive thing that I think is of of, of that character, and we should probably have an episode on that sometime if, if we want to unpack that. But Lenny, no, that's, <laughs> no, no. Leonard is is the one that I am most offended by. In that I was film. just using yeah. Joey Pants's lines. So yeah, um, in, in in this film, I am offended <laughs> by everybody else. I'm not offended by uh, Miss Wyckoff. If anything, I just feel absolutely terrible for her, and I try to empathize or at least understand her. And there's there's and and, and I understand that even the the questions and the and the sort of accusations that I might make of her behavior often. Th- th- those things are indicative of a of an apparatus of 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 reactions and of and of thought that are sort of built into a society that kind of like surrounds this this sort of phenomenon and 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 perpetuates it and and i i feel awful if i'm if i'm somehow feeding into that but at the same time i just i god i i God, why Miss Wyckoff? I'm so sorry, Miss Wyckoff. Um, <laughs> yeah, why did she do it? I'm sorry. I know it's it's it's. it's, it's I, I'm, I, I, turn, I, turning no, bright red. No, it's just it's, like it's like red it's, right it's, there. It's literally me just <laughs> trying to like. I'm turning red because I'm trying to like. I'm sorry, Miss Wyckoff. Ooh, I am sorry. <laughs> I never meant to knock. Oh. You. Oh my god. I can't believe you just did that. I cannot believe you just took Miss Jackson by Outcast, one of the the oh. one no, one of the, the sacrosanct classics of of Southern hip hop and you did that. I cannot believe you, don't talk until it's your turn. Wow. Okay. Wow, this has been pretty apparent on episodes All right. here recently. All right. Um, now, where God. did we get those? <laughs> I guess. I guess the reason for my exasperation is that I can't help but try to to wind through all the events leading up to that fateful, horrifying moment and asking wh- what could have been done to prevent this. What Either, either by Miss Wyckoff's action or, or everyone else around her's if action. If only she would have had a man beforehand. That's not what I'm trying. Been a problem. That's not what I'm trying to. Oh God, it's just so hard. She should have just let that man have his way with her earlier, oh and my, it all would have been fine. Oh my God, would have been white on white. Oh my God, they could have adopted his child, <laughs> and it all would have been fine. I'm just, I'm just exhausted right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely emotionally spent. Nick, what what is your rating of this film? That <laughs> doesn't even want his thoughts. Just <laughs> give the rating and leave. Well, my thoughts. Yeah, what's your thoughts? Are, I am a big fan of this movie. This is very much what I want out of the day at the cinema. <laughs> your mom, oh, just uh, it's leaving. I'm sorry, Miss White. Oh, leaving. Ooh. Your mom has to be proud. I am for real. <laughs> 
I never meant to erase the board. <laughs> anyway. Um... <laughs> Tucson is yet to come back, so I'll just continue. I think he's gone. Yeah. He's going well, to check to see if his park car got hit again. <laughs> well, uh, I'm a big uh, fan. Uh, I genuinely love this uh, type of exploitation, and especially because I think exploitation cinema in general tends to be thought of as one thing, and this is a so much more effective version of that thing. Because, for example, a lot of time... Ex- Exploitation cinema is an ex- is is and I love it, but it's an excuse to dump, do something. For example, like women in prison films, <laughs> you you put women in prison and therefore you can show them nakedly showering and um, you can have them being raped and yet by a prison guard, but you can then pretend that the whole thing is a allegory for patriarchy if you look hard enough. And I genuinely think there's actual, I would say, some truth to some of that, some, some bullshit to some of that. Here, I think in waiting to show its cards, so to speak, the exploitation is way more potent um, and also way more earned, you know, because that's a, that's a lot of the things is when you sit down to watch like a Quentin Tarantino movie, for example, who I love all his films, but he's definitely a, a lover of exploitation cinema and he makes his own for sure. And his are always like relishes it, you know, and, and that's his style. But um, this is a much more, I think, restrained version of it and one that dares to try to take uh, its exploitative elements seriously, f- all for, I think, a pretty thought-provoking uh, end. And so, yeah, um, between the Circean melodrama, the... Re- I wouldn't say ridiculous, but the over-the-top uh, exploitative turns, um, and even the kind of shoddy visuals that I, I love the <laughs> made-for-TV feel, since I love TV, too. So, I, you know, it's just, like, so weirdly made for me. So. Like fucking catnip for yeah. Nick. So I give it four and a half out of five, because I'll never say it's perfect, but goddamn, I... <laughs> Whew, I said goddamn. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those... The, one of those movies that if you if you got caught with the wrong person uh, and they voiced their opinion about it, it would be like, oh, that was revealing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I wanted to watch it with people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, that ending. I and but let me say one more thing too. It one more thing about the exploitation uh, aspect of it is that it doesn't get so wrapped up in its exploitative manner that it becomes a slave to it. The ending is actually affirmative. Uh, not because she's so much better off, so to speak, but um, much like a character like uh, The Bride and Tarantino movie, like she ends up being the best person standing by the time... and Because she, she finally... Uh, when she stares down, uh, stares down the sleeping pills, and she chooses not to take them, that is the first time she is not letting that society essentially dictate her fate for her, and she, she'll be much better off when she leaves them. And not to say that America is going to be much better no matter where she goes, but it is that kind of symbolic nature of like she's so much better than this town, so she was never probably going to thrive there anyway. Yeah. So. 
yeah, I, I find at least the final shot to be both to be bittersweet, which is that this is an awful situation, and the people here who are saying good luck are awful people, and it's this pragmatism surrounding all these awful uh, uh, attitudes and mores that that are truly uh, pitiful. But she's also was able to find her strength at the moment she needed it. So, yeah, right on. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed as much as you do. And um, yeah. if anyone else out there has, has seen this, no matter what your opinion is on it, I'd like to, to hear anyone else's point of view on it. I mean, I, I don't know. if I'm, I'm sure this is pretty inaccessible. Yeah, right? as far as I know, um, so Vinegar Syndrome, one of my favorite companies now, uh, put out a wonderful Blu-ray release, which is what we watched it on. Um, I do know Vinegar Syndrome has a deal with Amazon Prime, so I would check there. That would be the one place it might be streaming. Hmm. Uh, but if not, if any of this sounds appealing, I wouldn't say it would be the worst blind buy, provided that you actually listen to this episode and you know what you're getting into. Yeah. like I think we all at least thought it was like thought-provoking and not like a um, waste a, waste of time. It's so not a three-hour opus. It's an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. So if you hate it, be, it's not like you've wasted an entire night of your life. So, That's right. But yeah, if anyone out there has seen this film, uh, no matter what you think about it, uh, it would be great to hear someone else's opinion other than just the three of us. So feel free, as this always. It like something uh, Brian will try to find. I could see that. I could see him having... Brian, if you're listening, you can borrow it. <laughs> I could see him having pretty clear opinions on it, too. Yeah. So yeah. if anyone out there, including Brian, uh, has caught this and uh, wants to... I'm not, to... like, making... <laughs> Oh, he's going to watch it. Claims about Brian's predilection, so to speak. <laughs> I'm just saying that, Brian, if you're listening. Yeah, hi. You should you should watch this. <laughs> yeah. God, is that you? It's me, Charlotte. <laughs> uh, so anyways, filmtankshow at gmail.com or Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at filmtankshow is where you can find us and let us know your feelings on good luck, Miss... Why? Why cough? Why coughed? Yeah, oh, I, I thought couldn't. you were like doing something Why? stylistic. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. Good I just couldn't. luck, Miss Why cough? Good night and good luck, Miss Why cough? Oh, because it was like a communist witch hunt. So on our yeah. next episode, uh, we're going to talk about Alien Covenant, which is it's a the same kind of movie, really. Yeah. Uh, a a sequel in the Alien series, but also uh, definitely involving characters directly from uh, the last film that's sort of in the series, which was Ridley Scott's Prometheus, which you can find out everyone's thoughts on because uh, this was a very early episode uh, on Film Tank, as I think yeah. it was, Number was five or I something. I was in like our fifth or sixth yeah. episode, um, and yeah. It's uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting viewing, specifically, as, as a lot of times, just to see what Dusan's reaction is. Because knowing that he does like sci-fi, and he does like the Alien series, and he had opinions on Prometheus, uh, it'll be interesting to see what he, and actually everybody, feels about it. Because I feel like, actually, all of us, for the most part, enjoy Prometheus, even if Tucson wants to gripe about parts of it. He's still... Parts of it. I mean, you, you've sat down and watched it multiple times, and it's not like it was a huge fight to get you to watch yeah, it. Yeah, but the most... 
see, here's the thing about that. It was like every subsequent time I've just learned to aggressively turn my brain off and being able to just like take it in as a purely visual spectacle. I think that's pretty damning when you're considering the fact that it's supposed to be this high concept sci-fi film that the one compliment that you can Yeah, I think it is. Is it? It is it is. It, to- it totally is a high concept sci-fi film. And the one comp- compliment you can really give to it is like all you got to do is just turn your brain off, bro. Just turn your brain off though. For a high concept sci-fi film, I think that's pretty damn it. I mean, I'm not gonna get into this argument again, <laughs> so I won't get into it. But yeah, I think there's we a will difference. talk about this next yeah. week. Well, I'm just saying, I think there's a difference between yelling about why someone runs in a straight line and actually trying to take the movie to task for its philosophical ideas. I think some people yes. like to conflate those and think that they're equal, which they're not. But um, if anyone thinks that this uh, this new film is going to be much different than Prometheus, uh, they're probably going to be disappointed. But we'll see. Uh, definitely the trailer was fantastic. Uh, the first one, and especially involving, I think it's a shower scene. Where, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. mm. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what everyone's thoughts are on that, and you can also look forward to that episode coming up on episode one thirteen. You can find that episode, this episode, and all of our episodes on filmtankshow.com, and you can also find them on iTunes or Stitcher as well at Film Tank Show. From Nick Cheney to Saint Egan, myself Alex Diekman, thank you very much for catching up with us here at Film Tank, and we'll catch up with you next time. Thank <laughs> you.